Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Basically... Halfway through this NFL season, so to help us, you know, figure out the contenders, the pretenders, talk some Joe Judge and the progress that's being made with the New York Giants, we welcome in one of the NFL legends, NBC Sports. He's got my favorite column I read. It used to be at like 4.30 in the morning on Monday, but now I read it when I wake up with the coffee. So I, I like the sound of that a lot more. Let's welcome in the great Peter King. Peter, it's John Zistrzewski. What's happening? How we doing? Hey, John, how are you doing? Good to be with you. Peter, I'm doing fine, man. Listen, we'll get to my team in a minute. I don't want to bore the New York audience with that quite yet, even though my giddiness is through the roof. Let's start here with the Giants. All of a sudden, they win two games in a row in the division. They've gotten the three and seven. They're on their bye week. They can enjoy it for a week, week and a half. Can they dare to dream in this woeful NFC East that, dare I say, they got a chance to go and win this thing? Uh, they got the best chance, in my opinion, of any team in this division to win it. Um, and that doesn't mean they're going to have a good record. It just means that how do you have any trust in Philadelphia now? And I mean, look, Philadelphia is too ahead of the Giants in the loss column. They're too ahead of everybody in the loss column. But, you know, they're also even with them with the Giants in the win column. So, you know, to me, when I look at the rest of the way, all right, you look at what Philadelphia has. Look at Philadelphia's next five weeks, okay? At Cleveland, Seattle at home, at Green Bay, New Orleans at home, at Arizona. Let me ask you this. The Eagles going what, one and four in those? Oh and five? If they go two and three, I'll eat my shoes. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're just, they're not a good team right now. The quarterback is not good right now. And look, I don't want to say that, oh, my God, the Giants have done so much to make it to allow us to trust them. But look, I think it's real significant. Daniel Jones was that was the first game he started out of 22, I think, in the NFL uh, the other day where he didn't have either an interception or a fumble, not a lost fumble. I mean, a fumble. And so to me, I, I mean, look, you know, everybody's got to play. Uh, the Giants have a tough schedule, too. Don't get me wrong. But to me, I, I just think the Giants are a little bit different team uh, than they were a month ago. So we'll see what happens. Peter, do you see any similarities? What's going on with the Giants currently and what you saw last year with Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins? I know two different situations, but two guys who have clearly come in and have made their mark on their respective teams. And I'm wondering why the success for these two guys coming out of the Belichick coaching tree, when if you look for years, I mean, it was whiff after whiff after whiff for Belichick assistants trying to make their mark as NFL head coaches. 
Well, I do think, I mean, there are some similarities, and I hadn't thought of that until you said it, John, and I think it's a real interesting point. But, you know, I also think one of the things that happens to a team, especially, okay, a team that has some really big draft advantages. And if you look at, I mean, look at the Dolphins. They're still going to go into 2022 with significant draft advantages. I mean, in the next 10 years, if, if, you, gave, if you gave the average, uh, you know, football fan, if you explain the situation, you gave a football fan, you said over the next 10 years, who would you rather be, the Dolphins or the Patriots? I mean, how can you say the Patriots? Other than the fact that you think Bill Belichick walks on water. Um, you know, the Dolphins have their quarterback of the future. They have a gigantic advantage in draft position. Um, and look, as far as the, the Dolphins go last year, I mean, a lot of what they did last year, winning five games down the stretch, going five and four, is they basically played a lousy schedule, and they beat the Patriots at the end in a, in a sort of, I think, I mean, why did I pick the Miami Dolphins to win the division this year? Honestly, because of week 17 last year. They went up to New England and played a team that had everything to play for, and the Dolphins had nothing to play for, and the Dolphins won the game. And I just said that is a team that plays for its coach, believes in its coach, that now has a, uh, a quarterback, and so we'll see what happens. And the interesting thing about two, and I don't mean to get – I know you love this, but the fans might – people might not. But the interesting thing about Tua right now, John, if you realize it, I mean, he's 3-0, and and everybody can say, well, he hasn't played that well. I mean, his, his passer rating's 10 points higher than Ryan Fitzpatrick's was. And, and, again, look, a lot of that is due to the fact he's had zero interceptions, but – I mean, you criticizing the guy for having zero interceptions in his first 12 quarters as a starter. I, I just, you know, everything's coming up Dolphins right now. And to me, the way I look at this division right now, and, and not that anybody here really cares all that much, but. More than you I think, Peter. I, More than you think. I, You'd if, be surprised. Hey, listen, if I, if I had to go to Vegas right now and put five bucks down on the winner of this division, I mean, it's very, very close because, as you know, Miami still has Kansas City and then closing at Vegas and, and Buffalo. Well, and those division losses at the beginning of the year could hurt them, too. New England yeah, and Buffalo course, first two weeks of, of the year. That could really hurt them. they could. But, and they're going to have to win the division outright, basically. But, you know, look, they had the bye. All right, so after this weekend, let's just say that you trust Miami go, to go to Denver and to be seven and three and to be tied for the division lead. Uh, although they'd be behind on all the tiebreakers, I get it, but you know, they would, they basically would be seven and three with six games left to go. And, you know, look, I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen, but the bottom line is this is a team that has far overachieved. Uh, and, and I think is in a great position and deservedly so because they're playing for their coach. Uh, they've got a great young defense and, uh, I'm pretty bullish on the, on the Dolphins.
I love hearing that. We got the great Peter King on the line right here on the fan. And, you know, Peter, a game I have circled this week, a rematch in the divisional round last year with Tennessee and Baltimore. And that was the moment for me in which I realized point blank, Lamar Jackson's behind in a football game. The Ravens are behind in a football game. They're just not built to come back, and it hurts them. And I've seen it. Saw it last week, even though it was a monsoon against the Patriots. Saw it against Kansas City. Happened in that wild card or divisional round game against the Tennessee Titans. To me, this is a very big game for both of these teams. And sooner rather than later here, Peter, I got to see Baltimore in a game where they're down 10 points. You know they're going to be in throwing situations. Can they go and make those throws? Can they make those big plays in the air? I'll tell you what's really strange, in my opinion, about this season in the NFL and the Tennessee Titans, okay? So when the Titans were 5-0, and they were on a string of games. They were on a four-game streak, J.J., where they averaged 36 points a game, where Derrick Henry was the most impactful rusher in football, and Ryan Tannehill, though nobody wanted to believe it, nobody wanted to see it, uh, you could argue that he was a top-three quarterback in football. That was after week five. They're, they're sitting there. They're 5-0. and They put up 42 in two straight games against Buffalo and Houston. Everybody loved the Titans. Okay, so what's happened the last month? Very simply, the Tennessee Titans in the last month have turned mortal. You know, they're down to 21, 22 points a game uh, in the last four. They're one and three. Uh, Tannehill looks like the ugly Tannehill at times, uh, you know, in Miami. And their offensive line, I think, is really, really hurting them. Because now it's not only Jack Conklin, but now Taylor Lewan gone, you know, Conklin gone in free agency to Cleveland, now Lewan gone. So even though I believe that Baltimore is uh, beat up and they're just not the same team that we thought they would be this year, you know, in large part because of injuries, that now all of a sudden is a borderline pick'em game. I'd pick Baltimore, uh, but I'd pick Baltimore mainly because Tennessee, I just don't trust on offense now. One week, maybe, two weeks, maybe, but this has now been four weeks where they have been a mediocre offensive team. Peter, I love the play-by-play breakdown you did Monday morning with Kyler Murray after that incredible Hail Mary ending that game against the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, you look at these Thursday night games, some you like a lot more than others. I I can't wait. After what we saw the first time around with Arizona and Seattle – now we get another matchup. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Kyler going up against that putrid Seattle defense at first place on the line in the NFC West. Peter, that's a real juicy Thursday night game. Great game. And look, you know, if, you know, to me, I think one of the reasons I like Seattle this week is not just because of all the emotion that has been expended by Arizona to win this game on Sunday. And, and they're, you know, they're still a fairly young team. Uh, And so you look at them traveling up to Seattle and all that. And in, you know, the bottom line, when you look at a game like this, you look at sort of the team that really kind of needs it more. Bill Parcells always used to say, you know, the desperate, 
when they're when the two teams are good, the desperate team usually wins. And normally you might look at this game and say, well, Russell Wilson's turned it over seven times in the last two weeks. And so therefore, this is one of these things the the emperor finally has no clothes on. And you look at you look at Seattle and you say, okay, we're now seeing what they really are. But I would disagree with that. And I disagree because I think Russell Wilson is at his best when people are challenging him, people are questioning him, and people think, hey, you know, he doesn't look like he did. And, and I, I would just say one other thing. Even though home field advantage this year seems relatively meaningless, Okay, you know, Seattle is four and zero at home this year, and uh, they've been on the road for two ugly weeks and three of the last four. And and I just I think Russell Wilson is going to come up with a gem. I think Seattle's going to win this game to take uh, to take possession of the of the NFC West. Okay, Peter, try to figure out this NFC for me. I thought it was Tampa. I thought they were the team to beat. Then I saw that New Orleans game a couple of weeks ago. I think it's as wide open an NFC as I've ever seen it. I mean, you can make a yeah. case for maybe four or five different teams to go and be the favorite here. Do you have a team right now, as with a weekend, you know, right before Thanksgiving, that maybe stands out to you in this conference? I think it's as wide open as can be. I do, too. I, I, I would pick the Saints right now, and not just because um, – you know, basically right now, New Orleans would be the number one seed if if the season ended today. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Green Bay would. But, but the one thing I think about New Orleans right now is that even without Drew Brees, the fact that you have Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, you know, both playing, I don't think, that especially against what you have for the next month, the next four opponents are all at least two games under 500 or more as of tonight. And so to me, if you play Jameis Winston, I think what you're going to see, JJ, is uh, I think you're going to see New Orleans playing both quarterbacks, uh, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. I don't think this is going to be a situation where Winston plays seven or eight snaps a game. I think he's going to play 20 or 22 snaps a game. And we'll see what happens. Sean Payton, I think, is going to go on the rhythm of the game and how Winston really is playing. But I don't think they ever thought when they brought in Jameis Winston that he was go if Breeze got hurt, that he was going to be the every-down quarterback. They always thought, hey, look, we love, love, uh, Taysom Hill long term so you know to me they've got a great schedule uh, over the next month you figure that Drew Brees will be back in mid to late December uh, and they end with Kansas City Minnesota and at Carolina so to me I, I think New Orleans has got the best chance to get to 13 and 3 uh, of any team in the NFC Peter final one jet related twofold Curious what the interest level is going to be from Sam Darnold's standpoint. You know, I don't think he's the Jet quarterback next year. I think the Jets probably end up with the first pick in the draft, and Trevor Lawrence is their guy. 
So from an Indianapolis standpoint, a Pittsburgh standpoint, a Chicago standpoint, you see those teams involved, number one. Number two, Harbaugh. Now, I would be alarmed, quite frankly, with what I've seen the last few years at Michigan because I thought he'd be a rock star there. I thought it was his dream job. And Peter, I loved Harbaugh when he coached the San Francisco 49ers. I know some are going to say he's an NFL coach. Maybe he'll come in, he'll have success, and he'll pick up right where he left off. I, for one, don't see it that way. What's your take on Darnold's future number one and Harbaugh? Do you think that he's just an NFL guy through and through? Or do these struggles and the concerns in Michigan, do they scare the daylights out of you? I think teams would be more scared out of Harbaugh by the way it ended in San Francisco. Because by the time he left San Francisco, uh, other than a few players and maybe some fans remembering 2012, uh, they couldn't get rid of him fast enough. Um, you know, and again, you can say that, well, Jed York's an amateur, all that. I, I, I get it. But he had really burned a lot of bridges in San Francisco by the time he left. So I don't know how many people are going to, and just remember this. I don't know who's making this decision. Christopher Johnson, Woody Johnson, Joe Douglas, whatever. If I were the Jets, and I were Christopher Johnson after the last coaching search when you had Matt Rule in the palm of your hand and you chose Adam Gase, uh, I might just say to Joe Douglas, hey, Joe, we're going to lunch. You handle it. And, and that's what I would do. And it could be that they would decide that Harbaugh is better than any of the candidates that they could get right now uh, here. But <clears throat> in my opinion... I think it spoke volumes that, you know, there's been a lot of jobs that, you know, Indianapolis, let's say, before they picked Josh McDaniels and then uh, Frank Wright. Why did Indianapolis have no interest in Harbaugh? You know, that was at a time when they had its former quarterback, Andrew Luck. Why do you think that was? Do you think anybody in the organization ever sidled up to Andrew Luck and said, hey, what would you think if we were to be able to get uh, Harbaugh as our coach? Now, I don't know that this happened, but that stuff happens in every organization at times like that. So the fact that Indianapolis did not talk to Harbaugh at the time, whether he would have come or not, and I doubt he would have come, but whether the fact that they didn't talk to him at the time today, right now speaks volumes to me. That's number one. Number two, I think as far as Darnold goes, um, you know, he is one of these guys who is earnest, hardworking, uh, has got a really good chance to be good in the NFL. But unfortunately for him, he became Josh Rosen times 10. You know, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was in an incompetent organization that didn't protect him and was not ready to have a franchise quarterback that was as close to protecting him with players around him as the Texans were to David Carr, you know, almost two decades ago. And so, you know, if I were Sam Darnold, I would take a deep breath and I would just be thinking to myself, you know, it's more important what happens in the majority of your career rather than in the beginning of your career. And I think Sam Darnold, assuming the Jets 
are going to pick somebody with the first pick in the draft or very high in the draft is going to go somewhere and have a chance to be really good in the NFL. Great? I don't know. I haven't seen greatness out of Sam Darnold. Nobody has. But you would think he'd have a chance for that. And I guess, J.J., the last thing I would say is that, you know, the Jets right now are really on the precipice because, look, if, if you are Trevor Lawrence, if you're Justin Fields right now, unless, you know, I'm mistaking something, they have to really be thinking, um, you know, do I really want to cast my lot with this franchise? And again, they might not have any choice because if they wait a year, who knows? No, there's no telling that they would be better by waiting a year. But, you know, would they basically say, I'm not playing for you? Go make the best deal you can. And I have this sneaking suspicion, and this is absolutely nothing but talk show fodder because it's just something that I was thinking of. Why, if you're the New York Jets, don't tell everybody you're taking Trevor Lawrence? Why don't you just tell everybody to force them to come up and make a ridiculous trade? You know, we'll give you three ones and a two for that one, and then just totally decide we're going to rebuild our team around Sam Darnold. And at the end, make an 11th-hour trade, give away that first pick, show some faith in Sam Darnold. Look, I don't know what they're going to do. Nobody knows what they're going to do. But I think Joe Douglas and the Jets, especially with those two Seattle ones, have a great opportunity to rebuild their franchise for the long term. And imagine if they chose Darnold and chose to make a ridiculous trade for that top pick. I mean, is it ridiculous to suggest that you could have seven ones in the next two drafts to rebuild your franchise? Is Trevor Lawrence or, or, or Fields so much better than Sam Darnold that you'd give up the opportunity maybe to have three more ones in the next two drafts? I don't know. It's just, it's talk show fodder, but I think it's interesting. Peter, it sure is. Now, I'll tell you this. I wouldn't pass up the idea of taking Trevor Lawrence. I think he's that good. But, hey, you get seven first-round picks. Who knows? Maybe if Darnold's not your guy, you take one of them, take a quarterback the following year. That'll be a decision I'm glad I'm not making, Peter. That is above my pay grade. Thankfully for that. Appreciate the time. You are the best. Keep up the good work. And you know this now, Peter. I don't have to read your column at 4 in the morning. I can read it at like 10, 1030. It's a lot better for my sleep schedule these days, you know? Hey, a lot listen, better. You can, you can read it at 430 in the morning because it'll always be there. But you're probably better to read it when you have more of a sane eye for it. Yeah, I don't know how sane it's been with the Dolphins these last few weeks. I think it's been more giddy, to be honest with you, Peter. But nonetheless, I love it, bro. Thank you so much for the time, okay? All right, hey, take care. That's the best. Peter King over at NBC Sports. Great stuff there, running around the league, doing some Jets and Giants. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.